Hello, everyone. Do you ever reminisce over the long lost floppy disks? <laughs> Then, if you do, welcome to Next Nest. This podcast may be for you if you remember those things. It's for empty nesters and retired couples. We focus our chats towards members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, but other friends are welcome to listen in too. A few weeks ago, I heard from an old work colleague and friend, John Peterson. We worked together at a company called New Skin uh, 70 years ago, something like that. I think it's been a while, back in the 90s. And、uh, because of health issues, John and his wife, Christine, had been serving as a senior missionary couple from their very own home, right in Provo, Utah. But those health issues were cleared up. Their mission was finished, they thought, and they were on with life until all of a sudden they were called again to serve as assistants to the president of the Provo, Utah mission. Today they're here to discuss a program that has grown significantly in this mission. It's fascinating. Then LAH program, or Living at Home、uh, for Senior Missionary Couples. And that's an option that、uh, we think is a good one to pursue. And、uh, so, welcome, John and Christine. Thank you. Thank you. How are you doing today? Very、you're, well. They're, they're here right off their, their mission responsibilities for the day, all dressed up and everything. Well, yes, today's a day we don't have meetings. Aha. <laughs> <laughs>、uh -huh. Very、Except、good. Except for this one. <laughs> this one, huh? Okay, one of the obligations you do have. So. Let's get right on and、uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Well, we did not meet at BYU. Uh huh. So,、uh, unlike many who might be listening to a podcast like this, I was stationed in London with the Navy. And、um, I went to the London Temple once, and there was this temple worker who told me where to go and sit down and be quiet. And so I did. And it turned out that that was Hold on, Christine Leader. That was her maiden name. Okay, I had technical glitches there for a second. But,、uh, so you're in London and you met there and,、uh, in the temple. And then we were paired up to do the Charleston、uh, at a Relief Society social. That's how we, that's how we met. We were put together. And, So you, ever since. so, you went dancing in the dark and you've been dancing ever since. Ever since. How <laughs> wonderful is that? Well, very good.、Yes. Christine,、uh, every time you talk to a couple about these kinds of things,、uh, the wife always has a different version. Well, it's, it's correct, really. I worked in the temple and I had a friend there who was a dancer, and I had been a dancer. She invited me to go and stay at her home. On the day the temple was closed, on a Monday, and that's what I did. We took dance classes, and she couldn't find any girls to partner the men. She had men volunteers for this dance, but not girls. So she invited me, and I agreed, and she gave me my choice of、uh, Elder Peterson's roommate, who she said was a gorgeous Swede, or she said, You can have the American war correspondent, which is what they call a journalist、uh -huh. over there. And so, she, luckily for me, she picked the gorgeous Swede and I got the war correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been happy ever after, ever since. Yes. And、uh, four kids. Four and children. Six grandchildren later. 
Here you are. When did you move to Provo? It was in 1990. I retired from the Navy, and we came to Utah because we wanted to be in a good place to raise our kids. So, uh, Sister Peterson, we have our name bag badges on, so I have to call her that. Okay. Sister Peterson did some research and found out that one of the high schools in Utah County was the best in the state at that time. So she drew a circle around that and said, find me a house within that circle, and that's where we want to live. So we did. Okay, and then you uh, started off working for New Skin, I know, and worked there for several years, and then you went on to American Red Cross and try to get people to donate blood, and then you worked with the transition at uh, UVU as a contract, uh, uh, what do they call those, agency, I guess, for a while, and and now you are empty nesters and r- retired and not at all retired. Correct. Obviously. Very good. So um, how long then have you been in that so-called retired state? Well, we retired in... May of 2014, and we were mulling over what to do, but in the meantime, we looked at our emergency preparedness uh, supplies and decided that we needed more than a three-day supply for a summer Mm. day. (laughs) So we got to work on that and spent about a year researching that and deciding what what we needed that was important. And then we got the mission call. We were deciding where we could go with his background and experience. There were several missions that we could have chosen, but for health reasons at that time, uh, I was limited on where what I could do because of hip issues. Mm-hmm. So the first time, uh, John Elder Peterson here has a background in public affairs, I know, which is the same field that I'm in. So... Um, but that's not the mission that you did. We considered really, that the first time. We considered that. We looked at all the options, many options. Could have served a, as on a military bases too, mm. but um, because of Sister Peterson's health issues, well, and we we even considered. We thought we'll go to England. We always thought we'll go to England. She speaks the language. Mm. I can understand it. Don't speak it very well. Most words, anyway, you understand, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> we could have done that. I had a cousin who was a mission president in Australia, and he was trying to recruit us to go there. Mm. But because of her health issues, we couldn't. But we received our mission call, the one to be a live-at-home missionary. Mm-hmm. And almost immediately, her her hip problems went away. Oh, really? But within two weeks... I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Mm. So we knew that it was a good thing we were not in Australia. So the Lord was we, looking out for you. We had to stay close to the Huntsman Cancer Center, and we were glad that we did. And it was, I had the surgery, and it's been gone over two years now. And yeah. but, it, but we were glad we hadn't gone anywhere. <laughs> Somebody knew we needed to stay here. Right. And as I recall, you were missionaries for two years that first go round. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Two full years. Mm-hmm. And that first time, you actually did what a lot of couples do. You felt you wanted to go on a mission, and so you up. Is it a, applied? Is that what we do? 
you know, filled in your papers and talked to your bishop and said you wanted to go and all of that. It, it wasn't a call out of the blue. You were looking to go. Is that right? Yes and no. It can be. If somebody wants to be a live-at-home missionary, you can go talk to your stake president, and he will uh, he will recommend you, and then you go through the regular process. In our case, though, it kind of was out of the blue. State president called us in, and he said, I think you ought to do this. And we hadn't, hadn't heard about it, so so that's why we thought it was kind of miraculous. Mm, okay. And, but the second time was a few years later, and all of a sudden that call came. You weren't expecting that at all, right? No. We, we finished the two years, and I must say it was absolutely a marvelous two years. We just didn't expect that we would have uh, a missionary experience where you could say it was the best two years of our life in our stake, but it was. You know, we mm-hmm. helped teach um, people who hadn't come to church in years and years and years and helped them get back to the temple. So that was really rewarding and gratifying. And then we finished. And then we got this unexpected recall to the same mission. Okay. Now, I am uh, supposed to make a disclaimer here that uh, Elder and Sister Peterson know everything they're you could possibly know about the Provo mission and what happens within that mission. But they are not official spokespeople for the church. They're, they're not uh, what they say is uh, basically the, your own experience and, yes. and uh, understanding and all of these kinds of things. There's no authoritative, if you will, position representing the church. So with that disclaimer, I think we move forward. So you've been called again. To work with the the president, I'm assuming this was the same mission president. It it was initially. Uh, he was released about uh, three or four months. The mission president was released. Now we have a new one, mm-hmm. President Otto Reardon, who, by the way, is from Australia. Oh, really? And so it's a lot of fun, and he and his wife are enjoying seeing snow. Mm, I'll bet. And other mm-hmm. unique features about Utah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have been telling me that this is a very unique kind of a thing. You have, uh, it would surprise most listeners, I'm sure, how many senior couples are serving in this mission. We have 45 senior couples serving right now. There are, well, President Reardon, for instance, when he assumed his call as mission president last July, one of the first things he said to us was how astounded he was at the strength of the church mm-hmm. here in Utah. Mm-hmm. He said, not only do we have enough people that we have 45 live-at-home missionaries serving, but in addition to that, there are senior people from this area all over the world. There are mission presidents from this area all over the world. There are enough senior people to man four temples going to be five one of these days Mm -hmm. and then all of the service missionaries on top of that Mm -hmm. in in his words he said he was blown away by the strength of the church and that the number of senior people available to do all this kind of service so 
in the 45 couples that you have in Provo, just in Provo Mission, not to mention those who are out and about around the world, what do they do? What kind of service are they, these uh, couples performing? Well, the ones that we work with, they all um, reactivate. They help people who haven't been to church for a long time to come back into the church, um, to relearn some of the gospel principles they may not be familiar with, and then to help them on the covenant path towards their next ordinance. And we keep doing that and keep doing teaching them. Uh, from We teach them from Preach My Gospel. We teach them from the Book of Mormon. We teach them just as the elders and sisters teach. We teach in the home. And then I'll invite them to come back, come to church, get ready for the temple. But we teach at a much more, a much slower pace. The younger elders and sisters will teach one of the lessons from preach, chapter 3 of Preach My Gospel and the whole lesson in 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. We might take a month to cover the same material. We just teach one segment at a time. So for people who are coming back into the church, it's much more comfortable and thorough. And often we're able to answer whatever questions they have had that have been a stumbling block to them not being completely active in the church. So I guess if you look at that, obviously when you look at the young missionaries, they're out there trying to reach out to people who've never been members of the church. And so as you just said, Elder Peterson, your your role and the target audience, as it were, as we say, mm-hmm. in public relations is in, incredibly different. Um, it would seem to me that you'd almost have two kind of major camps of these past members. Those who have so much baggage that they just really have a hard time getting through that versus those who do remember. And maybe they're both together, I don't know, but those who remember the light that was there, the spirit that they felt. And when you're teaching them, do you get couples who kind of start to have a reinvigoration, if you will, of that spirit? Oh, absolutely. That's that's uh, Our objective is to invite the spirit into their home by teaching and testifying of Jesus Christ and his atonement and teaching them mainly from the Book of Mormon. And that's a powerful tool in conversion. That is how they will feel the spirit the most. And we encourage them and read with them from that book. Without getting too personal, what kind of, when you are doing this, what kind of stumbling blocks have you seen generally? We can answer that. The uh, We sort of informally keep track of what the stumbling blocks are, and we can tell you. That's our conclusion, and this is not scientific, and we're not speaking for anyone else, but people people stop coming to church because they say because they've been offended by someone. Mm. That is the major obstacle. Now, along with that offense, there are often word of wisdom challenges or tithing challenges or faith challenges, but... Um, by far the reason people give when we say 
why haven't you been coming to church? And they'll say, someone offended me, and then they'll explain it. The bishop didn't do something, or the Relief Society president said something, or their neighbor cut through grass in the wrong direction or something. Mm -hmm. There's a, a great variety, but that's, by and large, that's the that's what we hear from people. Mm-hmm. And you are having success. Is that, as you go into these homes, you're seeing people change again and yes. come back? Yes, yes. We see their lives change. It's 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 wonderful to see how they start to feel the spirit again and they become happier. We've seen it. Mm-hmm. We had one man who we taught, almost one of the first people we spoke. Hadn't been to church for years. I had been his bishop. I had been his high priest group leader. Been in his home many times. No progress. No interest. But when Elder and Sister Peterson came, with the power and authority of the badge, the apostolic calling to teach and testify... And I think also because Sister Peterson is a very spiritually persuasive person, he now has a temple recommend, and he he has a sign on his door that says, Gone fishing, be back when I'm ready. That's the kind of life he led. But now, he he told us once he went to the temple, and he stayed there all day, eight hours, doing endowments. And at the time he went, and he went to five different temples in a week. Mm. And he's the one who told us, after he had made this, after he had come back to church activity, he said, I feel so much better about myself now. That's a perfect illustration of what happens with the people who we work with. Mm-hmm. Do you get when you first start with them, those who say, well, we are happy? You know, who really believe that, I mean, because we hear it sometimes when you, you see people who've left the church and they say, oh, I'm happy <coughs> now, you know, I'm free and mm-hmm. and I'm not under those restrictions and all those kinds of things, so I'm happy. Uh, what's your response to that? That's a really good question, and we've had people say that to us, haven't we? I'm good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. They say, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Well, we can do one of two things. We we always invite. We never, ever um, um, what's the word? Force or challenge. Yes, yes. So we always invite and we, we mention to them one of the things I've mentioned is on their doorstep, have you heard about the hastening of the work of salvation and how the work is hurrying up because we're preparing for the second coming. Mm -hmm. And then we invite them to have the protection afforded to them by paying tithing and having temple covenants. Then we re-invite them, are you sure you wouldn't like to have this protection in your life and uh, these blessings in your life? And if they say, I'm good, we just say, well, thank you for letting us give you that message. And any time you feel like you would like to learn a little bit more about what's going on in the church now, just feel free. You can walk in any building and you'd be welcomed. And there were times the people would reject us that way. And, and we can say that in that during our two years, we were never harshly rejected. No one was ever rude to us. Mm-hmm. But we had some very firm no's. 
Lord, like we've heard to before. No, we're good. So we'd go back to the car, and Sister Peterson would have a good cry initially because it's hard not to take personally. Yeah, sure. But we eventually learned that it wasn't about us. They were just exercising their agency, and we have to allow that to happen. What are the age age ranges of these people that you've been sent to talk to? You say they've been out of the church for many years, but what what do the ages range to? Well, some of them we taught, they were baptized, and they've never been to church since. So they could be as young as their early 20s and as old as their 50s, 60s, and 70s. And I would imagine that among those you have some who... um, were maybe returned missionaries, yes. married in the temple, uh, if you will, I don't want to say important positions, but you know, positions of of, uh, of influence and just fell away. Well, yes, the one we mentioned just now who said he's really happy now before he was not coming to church. When he wasn't coming, he was a temple worker. Hmm. So it so can he, happen. He just quit yes, coming. yes, he just quit coming. Mm. He was, he was, uh, his wife had left him, oh. and he wasn't early on in the marriage, and he's just so wounded and hurt by that mm. over the years, and so he didn't feel as much worth. Just became jaded. Just become, yeah, just became well, jaded, hurt, and hopeless. Mm-hmm. That's how they get. So. As senior missionaries, we're often able to bring them hope. And when that happens and they see what the possibilities could be, they can get up the courage. That's why it takes the long. It's sometimes we, there are people who we, we work with for 18 months, almost two years before they would come to church. Hmm. It takes a long time to turn that ship around. So when you say that, what do you mean exactly? Because you have said earlier that you, uh, you're you on their doorstep the first time and they say, no, nope, I'm good, I don't want to do this, and you go back and you have your cry and everything, and it sounds like you're done. And yet you talk about two years. So obviously there's something. What... what brings you to that second encounter the the people who reject us outright and won't let us in the door that's probably the end of it although we mm-hmm. may go back and knock on the door again sometime mm-hmm. but the ones the the success stories even though it takes a long time are people who say who will they will let us come in and if they will let us come in we work really hard. It's exhausting mm-hmm. to try to teach a lesson, have a discussion, to bring the spirit into their home, into homes where there may have been other things going on. They may have been watching pornography when we knocked mm-hmm. on the door. Mm-hmm. We don't know. But we go there and work really hard to help them feel the spirit. And it happens, and I'm thinking about the one guy who we went to the temple. You want to tell that story? Well, 
Yes, I can. And before I tell that story, though, I think it's really important to know that after they've said no thank you, we always report back to mm-hmm. the ward council. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we don't go knocking on doors. We don't do cold calling. That's a total, absolute waste of time. Mm-hmm. We only go to the home if the ward council has says invited us to go. And usually, if they have gone beforehand and found out they would like us Mm. to teach. So that's how we get into their home, because they have invited us. Mm -hmm. For those that say thanks but no thanks, we report that back to the ward council and encourage still for home. uh, Back then it was home and visiting teachers. Now it's ministering um, ministers to go to them. Keep Mm. that up, Mm -hmm. because we had a report just from our first counsellor in the mission presidency he was a a, he and his wife were a senior couple then they were the APs and now he's first counsellor in the mission Mm. presidency and this was over six years ago they taught a couple their replacements taught a couple Mm. their replacements taught the same couple and they were able almost six years later to go to the temple with them so Mm. we never really give up Mm-hmm. We're always keeping track, and, and it's it's all about agency, and it's all about timing. When are they ready? Mm-hmm. And this particular person that Elder Peterson spoke about, his wife left him as well. Mm. Is that the one you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, older, older man, our age, and he mm. was absolutely wounded and hurt, had no self-esteem. And every time he would teach him and teach positive things, he would say oh, no, it won't work for me. If I walk in the church, it'll fall down. Mm-hmm. And he, um, so we mm-hmm. had to go through all the Preach My Gospel lessons, and he, rem- he knew quite a lot about the gospel. Then we'd start on conference talks, and then we'd address his particular issues on self-worth and hope and faith and how the atonement could help him. Mm-hmm. And over time, we, he went to church. And then to the temple. And then to the yeah. temple. Mm-hmm. Well, I wasn't uh, particularly planning on going down this path, or up this path, I should say, but uh, it's fascinating. It, it hits home to me. It's a very personal kind of a thing, because as a professor at BYU, I've actually seen former students of mine, whom I love dearly, who um, I never, ever would have imagined for any reason would have walked away from the church who have, and uh, it's it's for me it's uh, it's a, a, a heartrending thing to see and to see them on social media and you just you know you saw them sitting in class and you had interaction with them and you saw the light in their eyes and felt the spirit and now you just don't see it anymore mm-hmm. you know and so uh, I have a few of those I'd I'd be glad to send you two. <laughs> But yeah, it's a it's a challenge for us nowadays. So you have these couples, and the amazing thing is that none of them are here. We hear about missionaries and senior missionary couples being sent away, you know, off to some mission somewhere. And uh, yet, what you're saying is that all 45 of these couples live here, and they serve right out of their homes. What does that look like? I mean, how many hours in a day or a week or whatever are they? I don't know if the obligated is the right word, but you know, is, what does it look like a typical day? Yeah, there is a there is a requirement when you receive a call from the 
president of the church. And by the way, because we're on two missions, we have a mission call for, signed by President Monson. We have another mission call signed by President Nelson. Mm. So we think that's kind of unique. Mm-hmm. And that letter, when you receive your call, it says you're expected to spend 32 hours a day. A week. I, I mean a week. That's a oh, lot oh. of hours. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Miracles. Yeah. 32 <laughs> yeah. hours a week. Okay. And... Um, but it's it's not harsh and measured. No, you, nobody keeps track of that except the missionaries themselves. But that's the tar- the target. You mm-hmm. should spend about thirty two hours a week, and they will um, they will go they will go to ward council meetings. They'll get referrals from the bishop or the elders corn president or the relief society president of people who are in a preparation to hear the word. That's a quotation from Alma thirty two. People who are in a preparation to hear the word, not just hand over a list of inactive people and good luck. Mm-hmm. But the word council is supposed to have people who are prepared because the word council has a responsibility for inactive people. We're there to help them, so they give the word council gives their referrals to us, and then we go visit them. Generally, that's going to be in the evening because most people work. But sometimes there are people who are uh, shut-ins or invalids or, for some reason, they're home during the day. So most of the rivet home missionaries will be working at night, evenings, sometimes during the day. And um, you visit people whenever they'll let you, teach them as often as they'll let you, usually once a week. Mm-hmm. And uh, starting out with the Preach My Gospel lessons, but... When you run out of preach my gospel lessons, as Sister Peterson says, then we switch to conference talks or other things. So that's how we spend our, generally how we spend our time. Okay, and and the first time you were on your mission, I'm sure that you did a lot of this outreach that you talk about. That was probably where you filled all of your time. I would imagine that now you're doing more administrative kind of things. Right, that's right. We do. We spend much more time on this second mission, more hours we put in because we're teaching and training. So in some ways, you're kind of the mission president's right arm for all of these senior missionary couples. And uh, how do you keep them motivated and encouraged? And and, uh, make this simple. The the mission president holds a meeting once a month with the elders and sisters, the younger elders and sisters, called the Missionary Leadership Council. We go to that, too. And in that meeting, he and his wife give his vision for the month. So we take that, translate it into information for the senior missionaries, teach it to their zone leaders, who teach it to them, to the, all of their missionaries. Um, and then we, they have to do reports every week they send in an email report just like elders and sisters write a letter to their mission president our senior missionaries write an email to us and we respond to those and in those responses we always try to be uplift uplifting and encouraging no matter what's happening in their situation that's that's our probably our best avenue and then we visit also a different missionary set every Sunday we go to church somewhere that's one of the great things about our mission we've been to 
church in Tridale, Utah. Have you ever, you know where Tridale is? No idea. Do you know where uh, <laughs> Mammoth is? No. Well, we didn't either, but we do now. <laughs> I do. Huh? I, I, I'm sure the people who live there know where they are and love them. And they're what wonderful people, yeah. and the church is true. Everywhere we go, it's mm. it's just a thrill mm. to go into these congregations, whether they're in Provo or Vernal or Price or Delta, and see all the good people doing what they're supposed to do. This is a question I probably, you know, I I don't know if your mission president would even like me asking this, but I'm sure that uh, the mission couples, for the most part, go out there and love to work and are highly motivated and all of this. Do you ever get any, I mean, like young missionaries, when I was in Japan, we had what we would call wambakus, you know, they kind of like sometimes worked and sometimes didn't, and they had to be encouraged. Do you ever get that among senior missionaries? Or do you want to admit that? Well, no, we, we, we <laughs> actually, we, we don't. We really we don't because um, if, we have, if we have issues with senior missionaries, it's because their health is not well. Mm. And they may have got the flu, and then the sister gets the flu, and then they pass it back and forth, so they can't go out mm-hmm. as often as they did. Um, so that's mainly why um, the seniors are not uh, doing everything they can do it's just a health issue really but we don't have any who say I don't want to do this anymore Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. Uh, the the only time we've had one maybe two released is because of health they've just had some really serious problems and had to be released people who accept these callings they're they're wonderful people Mm -hmm. There are some who are more capable than others. There are some who get better results than others because of talents and personalities mm-hmm. and so forth. But they are all our, um, our, our our supervisor would say, "You're great, and your reports don't tell what kind of a missionary you are, and whatever you do is wonderful. If you weren't out there, nothing would be happening, mm-hmm. and anything is better than nothing." Right. So anything is the frosting on the cake. Mm-hmm. So obviously there are advantages to being a, an LAH, a live-at-home missionary. Uh, it's it's much more convenient. You don't have to pay an extra cost of an apartment or whatever. Are there any disadvantages uh, in, in compared maybe to others, or have you seen that? Yes. You have to keep your home up. <laughs> ah. You still have to mow the lawn and create the garden and do the housework and all of those things. And it's not like you've gone somewhere else abroad and you have a small space to take care of or somebody takes care of it for you. So you do have that responsibility. And with this second mission, we have less time to do that because of the length of the meetings that we have and the frequency. And so... When we get when we get some free days, we can just catch up that way. But that's the really the only disadvantage that we can see of staying home. Okay, so you're in the Provo Mission, and and uh, as you mentioned, Elder Peterson, this is kind of the center of the church, and there's lots of resources and people available. But let's suppose that I am not living in Utah; I'm out there somewhere else in the United States or another part of the world, and. I really would like to serve a mission, but like you two have said, um, I'm not sure that my health can stand up to being called somewhere else and these kinds of things. What would you say to them? Because obviously, you're, again, you're not speaking on behalf of the church, but 
What about those? Uh, do they have any missions where they do these kinds of things, where people live at home? We're not we're not sure about that. But the, if somebody was interested in living somewhere outside of our mission, we would just say, go talk to the stake president, and he'll figure it out because he knows what the options are and he knows how to how to work it out. So that's that's the only advice we could give is talk to your stake president and say we would like to do something that we heard about. Could that be arranged here? The other thing too is this: people can go online and look at mm. all the possibilities. They just type in seniormissionaries.lds.org, and they put in some personal information that that um, suits them, and then all these opportunities will come up. So there's there's numerous opportunities to stay in your home and serve. It doesn't have to be. Uh, proselyting, what we call proselyting in terms of teaching and testifying mm-hmm. and using Preach My Gospel. They, we actually have another option in our mission called the Daily Dose Missionaries. Mm. And they're part-time missionaries, so we have some missionaries who want to serve, but they're still not retired. So they can serve by teaching English to people who don't speak English. And they're trained how to do it, and they teach colloquial language like how Mm, to go to mm -hmm. the bank and grocery shop Mm -hmm. they go to people's homes and do it they teach them how to pray have a family home evening and from that they may or may not have people interested in learning more about the gospel but we don't teach the gospel right yeah, I know from uh, my experiences in different places like in Hawaii (laughs) or BYU Hawaii and Polynesian Cultural Center and and in other places um the kinds of missions that can be served by senior missionaries seem to be almost endless. But what you're saying, Sister Peterson, is you don't just go online and search uh, kind of a mission uh, that might be good, but they actually, you can, in typing in your information, they actually start matching you up, if if that's possible. Yes, that's a possibility, yes. They give you those options. And where is it again, seniormissionary.lds.org. Okay. Well, I think with that, that's a good way to kind of end. Do either of you have anything that you'd like to add or we haven't covered? I know there's a lot we could cover, but no, just 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 a statement that it is a very rewarding work and that we it happened to us and we see this happen to the senior missionaries who serve with us. It is a way to increase your own spirituality. Senior missionaries who think about Christ, study about Christ, testify of Christ every day can't help but be lifted to a higher and holier place. Mm. Happened to us, and we see it happen to all those we work with. Okay. And Sister Peterson? We'll give you the last word. Well, I just wanted to point out that um, the only reason that you would want to, not only some of the reasons you'd want to stay in your home are health and finances, but also the options are there for you to um, see your grandchildren, see your children, play with them. And there's a lot less structure to senior missionaries serving, at least in our mission Mm -hmm. there is. And so... I think having served the first two years and finding how wonderful it was, I didn't lament so much that we hadn't gone abroad. 
and I can see now that by all means go abroad if you have the finances and the good health. But in terms of spiritually, the only difference, there wasn't any. Mm-hmm. But temporally, well, yes, you learn a new culture if you go abroad and you learn a new language and you may um, see the sights. But that's the advantage of going abroad. But if you stay in your home, you can just have a wonderful experience teaching and testifying of Christ and gathering Israel. Wonderful. Um, we are so grateful for Elder John and Sister Christine Peterson for coming in and from Provo, Utah Mission and spending some time with us today. And we'll have to do this again sometime when you uh, are wrapping up and you have even more wisdom to, uh, to give us. Thank you very much. And uh, we will see you all and hopefully have you all join us again next week or a couple of weeks. Thanks. Thank you.